Now, let's go to the uh, book of Proverbs, chapter 18, if you will. Part of our what we want to communicate today is that you, uh, you begin to look and act like the people you spend time with. And I needed no better reminder of that than when I looked across the front row and Cliff is standing just like this and then one, two, and three right beside him, all exactly like him. Train up a child in the way he should go. Well done. Anybody remember days before uh, Google Maps? You either had those big paper maps, right? The, once you opened them, you could never fold them back the way they were. Uh, or you had a spouse. Either way, someone was going to give you directions. Um... Sue and I got married on, uh, I'll get this right, December the 28th, 1991. And uh, took off on our honeymoon, and um, I wasn't used to someone giving me directions. More particularly, I really wasn't pre pre prepared for her to say, you're wrong. An absolute true story to which I'm ashamed of in my pride and arrogance as Sue was trying to give me directions to get back home. Um, I got upset. We were in Washington, D.C., and would you believe we didn't speak to each other for the next six hours? All because of directions. Isn't that foolish? And you know how oftentimes that if we use it in today's methodology and technology, that you and I are traveling, we're heading a direction, and the Lord must keep saying to us, rerouting, rerouting, rerouting. And I want to assure you today, the Lord did not set you and I on this earth with a plan and a purpose and a direction to go and go, good luck, hope you figure it out on your way. No, He has a very intentional and specific route for you and I to follow. It is simply that you and I would do this. We would become like Jesus. Does that make sense? Part of the route, the plan of God's plan for your life and for mine is we become like Jesus. Number two, that we would belong to the body of Christ. When we accept Him as our Lord and Savior, we are brought into the body and we fellowship together, and we work together, and then that we would go beyond these four walls, and we take the gospel to our community. And you're going to be hearing a lot about that in the days ahead. It's going to drive me nuts if I don't rearrange this order up here. Stick with me, everybody. Um, Proverbs 18, verse 24, simple verse. It says that one with many friends may be harmed, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Anybody ever heard that verse before? Circle two words in there. A man with many companions or many friends may come to a ruin. A man with a friend 
but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I submit to you out of this verse, so simple and so short, that you'll find that there are different relationships in life. You agree with that? There are different kinds of relationships that exist in this life. And in really relationships, they exist on different levels. Um, someone helped me understand this several years back, that one, one level of relationship that we have in our lives are the nodders. You know who the nodders are, don't you? You just kind of see them, and, and if, you're, if you're over 30 years old, we tend to go this way. That's it, just... If you're over, if you're under 30, it tends, it, it's up. So over 30 is down, under 30 is up. I don't know why, but that's just what society does. But you can see people, can't you? You'll, you'll pass someone in the mall or in the, wherever it is in the grocery store, and you may recognize them from a distance. You don't know their name, but you're going to acknowledge their, that they are at least alive, right? And all you do is... Don't, don't make it obvious. It's just a, just a short, quick nod. This is a mutual recognition that there is not enough relationship to reach out, but I don't want to be rude. And what you're going to say is, you know, I can't be BFFs with everybody, right? So I'm just going to have some nodders in my life. How many of you have nodders? How many of you are nodders? Not naughty, but nodders. Well, we can go down that road too. Never mind. All right. Number two, not only do we have nodders, but we have waivers. Now, now Carl, he will attest to this, because and there's others in the room too, but, but I'm a motorcycle guy. Anybody, we got any motorcyclists in the room today? Anybody? Carl, am I telling you the truth? Motorcyclists have a wave. We don't know each other. We're going 60 miles an hour in opposite directions, but when you pass a motorcycle, you just put your hand out. That's it. That's, that's all you get. Am I right? And man, when you, when you do that, it's like an instant brotherhood. I will never forget, we had just gotten motorcycles. We lived in Ohio at the time, and it was Thanksgiving. And I did not realize that when you rode a motorcycle, whatever the outside temperature is, on a bike, it's 25 degrees colder. But we took off on Thanksgiving afternoon on our bikes, our motorcycles, freezing to death. And I'll be daggone if we didn't see this other motorcyclist coming our way. Carl, he didn't have it down. He didn't do this number. He was like, like, there's someone else crazy like us out here. But waivers, you want to be friendly, but from a safe distance. These are the people that you're willing to go borrow a cup of sugar for from, but you don't want to have a cup of coffee with them. That makes sense, doesn't it? You got it? Nodders and waivers. You've got proximity in common, but you don't want to get too close. Then we have this next category, what we call sitters. Sitters is where you have interaction based on an event. Matter of fact, we got a lot of sitters in the room today. You will sit in, matter of fact, this is the only church I've ever been in where you all don't have assigned seats. It, 
Some do. Some, some do. I'm afraid Miss Debbie's seat is assigned just because she gets in trouble and we can't let her just roam, okay? But you all move around, which is really good. But oftentimes we're sitters. And we may have kids on the same sports team. We may go to the same church. We may actually play on the same team. But what we do is we don't hang out after the game's over. We don't do anything once we leave church. We're happy to sit and talk and fellowship here, but man, when we get out into this parking lot and we leave and go our way, we're not going to see each other again until next Sunday. And what you do, you talk, you interact, but you only interact based on what you have in common. Now, am I making sense here today? We have nodders. You know how you do that? Yeah, we have nodders. We have waivers. We have sitters, but I'll submit to you there is a fourth kind or a level of relationship, and it's what we call a thriver, a thriver. The dictionary says that a, thri a thriver is fortunate and successful, that he's willing to grow or develop vigorously, to flourish. Now, here's how you know if you have thrivers in your life. You ready for that? This is good. This will change your life. Ready? You have thrivers in your community, in your friend group, if they have refrigerator rights. Refrigerator rights. That's a big deal. Here's what I mean by that. See, if I come to your home right now, and Cliff, if I, I think I'm going to pick on you because you're sitting on the front row. I mean, you're an easy target today. But if I just come to your house right now and I need a Coke and I need a drink, I'm probably going to wait for your sweet wife to go get me one and to offer it for me because that's what she would do. But there'll come a day, watch this, where we know each other well enough and I'm comfortable enough that I'm not going to wait for her to go get me a Coke. I'm just going to go to the refrigerator and get it myself. That's refrigerator rights. That's taking relationships to a whole nother level, isn't it? Do you have some people in your life with refrigerator rights that you're so close to, that you do life with so well, that you don't have to ask for their help when you're in need because they're already helping You don't have to cry out. In that desperation. Because they're already walking along with you. Now let me say this. One's not right and one's not wrong. And we have all four of these levels in our life. But here's the beauty about thrivers. When we move down the level to a true thriving relationship, these are the people that become true friends. These are the people that have your back. These are the people that help anchor your soul on stormy nights. I got to tell you, this is my sixth week with you folks at Fellowship Bible Church. I can't believe it's already been six weeks. But my absolute prayer is that we become a congregation of thrivers. Doesn't that sound good? Not that we're just going to nod or wave, and we get that. 
Not that we're just going to sit when we have something in common, but that you and I will start to do life together. Because according to our text out of Proverbs 18, we need more than companions. Nodders, wavers, and sitters will not be sufficient in our life. We're going to have to have some people that go deeper and stay longer. Does that make sense to you this morning? Let me give you a second principle that I think we find out of this passage of Scripture. True friendships help hold life together. True friendships will help hold life together. A man of many friends or on a surface level may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. We need someone to stick with us and to help us, don't we? Well... A stick, a individual, you and I trying to live life as an island will never work out to our greatest benefit and to God's greatest good. Do you remember the passage of Scripture, in this life you will have troubles and trials? Is that a true verse? The answer is yes. One, because obviously it's in Scripture. Two, because you've experienced it. And then he goes, but do not fear for I have overcome the world. Folks, you're either, as my dad used to say, you are either coming out of trouble, in trouble, or headed into trouble. Do I get a witness in the room? You feel that pressure sometimes? And I guarantee you this. When you and I try to stand alone, we break easily. It's just not going to be difficult for the pressures and the difficulties and the sinfulness of this world to break you and I. But there's something about binding together. And Ecclesiastes, I can speak. Ecclesiastes tells us a three-strand cord is not easily broken, is it? You know what I appreciate about Brother Mike's testimony? Trouble and hurt came your way. Couldn't avoid it. Can't stop it. And then you look up and you see a bond of brothers and sisters standing with you. Folks, I do not understand. I do not know how the world, how people without Christ go through life. Do you? I don't know how people survive hurt and harm and tragedy without hope. And that hope is in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. I really don't know how they face what we face in this world all by themselves, other than they end up this way. And it is my heart and prayer and the desire of the elders of this church and the leaders of this church that not a single one of us finish the day like this. But that we finish it like this. Does that make sense to you today? You've done this. Some of you have tested this and proven it to be true. That life will break us. Now I beg you to test this. And see what happens when it's just not a companion of many people, but it's a friend that sticks close, that draws near, and won't leave you 
alone. I'll tell you this. We need far more than Facebook friends. I don't know how many Facebook friends I have. I, don't, I tend not to look. I really don't care. But I can tell you how many people have refrigerator rights in my life. There's a difference. We had some friends here with us last week who came up from Virginia to spend the weekend with us. They, I kid you not, they set their stuff down into a house they had never been, walked into the kitchen, and got what they wanted out of the refrigerator. Didn't matter where the refrigerator was. It didn't matter if it was a refrigerator they'd ever been in before. What mattered was it was in the house of friends to which they trusted and to where they were comfortable and to where they were safe. Folks, I beg you, find people in your life and give them refrigerator rights. And find people in your life and get refrigerator rights. Have a thriver. Have someone that takes it beyond the surface level. Scripture tells us we don't add to or take away from the Word of God. But there are, there are times when I study a passage of Scripture, it helps me to try to write it out in my own little thinking to make sure that it's in alignment with what God has said. And if you want the Todd Hartley version of Proverbs 18.24, it simply says that a man surrounded by nodders, wavers, and sitters is likely to break into pieces under the pressures of life. But a man with several thrivers and true friends will endure the difficulties. Here's your bottom line, gang. You and I need friends. And the Bible says in order to have friends, a man must show himself friendly. And I tell you today, you can't do this life alone. I beg you not to try it. We were never designed to live in isolation. Now here's the truth. What I'm telling you this morning is not about your personality. Who are the uh, extroverts in the room today? Any extroverts in the room? Look at that. Who said that? Yeah. And everyone else in the room is going, oh, please don't let him ask it. Please don't let him ask who are the introverts because we don't want to do this, do we? We all have introverts and extrovert personalities. Here's a reality, and some of you will be surprised about this. I am an extreme introvert. I really am. Me and the Lord have many a conversation on, are you sure you want me in an extrovert role. But I'm an introvert at heart. And it's easy for me to make excuses or give reasons as to why I don't have these great impactful relationships. But I work hard at trying to have those. But here's some common excuses we give for not going further in friendship and relationships. Number one, you can guess what this one is. We're just too busy. I know this one. I've tried it and gotten burned. 
Do you know where's the easiest place to get hurt? Is in a friendship. <laughs> and then you add a local church on top of that, and it, it can just get tough some days, can it? And I meet people all over, all the time, that tell me I don't go to church anymore because I got hurt, because I was wounded, because I was betrayed or mistreated. And here's what I say. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But if you don't succeed, try, try, and try again. Because one person has hurt you doesn't mean everyone will hurt you. Because you've got burnt one time does not mean you will always get burnt. Sometimes I hear people say, you know, life group, connect group, this doing life together, that may be good for you. It's just, it's just not good for me. And I understand that. But here's what I, I want to tell you. And I wrote this down as I was sitting right there during the worship. Personality and preferences should never, ever outweigh God's purpose and plan. Write that down. Our personality and preferences should never outweigh God's purpose and plan. And for some of you today, I want you to hear the Lord saying to you, rerouting, rerouting, rerouting. To take you back from a place of isolation and put you in a place of community where you have a true friend and you have people that will come along beside you. Now let me say this very clearly. Every reason and excuse that we provide and that we give for not going deeper in some relationships may be absolutely true. I don't discredit that at all. But here's the greater truth. Life will get difficult. Agreed? And you and I will need somebody that will stick closer to us than a nodder and a waver and a sitter. You're going to need it. And some of you are sitting here today going, nah, I probably won't. Just mark it down. One day it's going to happen and you're going to go, the slightly overweight bald preacher told me I'm going to need a friend. And it's not because I told you. It's because the Word of God says many companions will leave to ruin, but there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Third point, the church is where we grow in our belonging and our becoming like Christ. The church, the local church, this is where we grow up. This is where we start to belong and become like Christ intended us to be. Go to Acts. Brother Lance gave you one of these verses. Let me give you a broader passage in verses chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. 
And everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common, and they sold their possessions and properties and distributed all the proceeds to anybody that had need. And every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple. They broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And every day, I love this last part of verse 47. Every day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. I've heard enough people through the years read this passage of Scripture and go, you know what? The the church today should be like the church in Acts chapter 2. We need to all be like Acts chapter 2. And I'm going to submit to you we don't. The Acts chapter 2 church was kind of unique in its setting. Today we have bigger cities. We have further distances to go. There are some things we can't always practice today exactly like it says in Acts 2, but we can gain the principles from it. This is descriptive, not prescriptive. But there are some principles from here. Did you see where they devoted themselves to the gathering together? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They broke bread together. They did life together. They walked the long path together. And did you know what God did when they did all this? He blessed them. Added to their number daily, not so they could just get bigger. But look what He added to their number. Those who were being saved. I got to tell you, it's my heartbeat, it's my prayer, and it's my cry. The Fellowship Bible Church gets used to people walking the aisles and surrendering their lives and getting saved in this place. That we get used to baptisms on a regular basis. That it is common for us for you to be bringing your friends who you've led to the Lord this week to a place like this and introduce them to the body of Christ where they can belong and where they can become like Christ. Does that sound good to anybody else? It's no longer that we need to sit here and be content with consuming. We must be burdened with sharing. We must be burdened with taking the gospel outside of these four walls and developing relationships where we can share the truth of the gospel. One of the things I think biblical community does best is it paints a picture to this world about wanting to be a part of the church. Think about this. How good are you and I doing at painting the picture to our friends and our loved ones, our co-workers and our family? Paint the picture in such a way that they go, man, I want what you have. I want to be a part of a church like that. I want to make this first century church come alive in this 21st century I want it to become a place where I can have hope and help and do life together. I came 
across a couple verses, and you can write the references down and go back and look at them later, but just as a way to support this, Proverbs 27.9 says, A sweet friendship refreshes the soul. Isn't that good? A sweet friendship refreshes the soul. We had had a wonderful weekend with our friends last week, and as they were leaving on Monday, and we waved goodbye to them as they went out the drive, I looked over at Sue, and tears were just dripping off of her face. You know why? Because of sweet friendships and their strength to the body. Romans 1, verses 11 and 12 says this, For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, yours and mine. Can I share this with you today? I need strength and encouragement from your walk of faith. I need to know what God's doing in your life to help me in my walk and in my life. And the same is true, vice versa. We'll get back to Colossians next week in chapter 3, but look what it says in verses 12 through 14 of that chapter, that verse. Put on then as God's chosen ones, that's the church, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, just exactly as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Hebrews says, 10 verses 24 and 25, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day, the return of the Lord drawing near. You know, when I was a kid growing up, we went to church for Sunday school. I got some nodders in the room, right? We were Sunday school, morning worship, in the sanctuary. Then you came back Sunday night. Sometimes we did a discipleship hour, and then we had church again. And then we wash, rinse, and repeat on Wednesday night. And then Saturday morning, you had bus visitation, and Monday night you had church-wide visitation. Am I right? We were in church every time we turned around. The church was the hub of the community. The church was the place where you went to see friends and family and neighbors. Do you know what sociologists tell us impacted society more than anything else that caused us to separate? Your mind's about to be blown. Ready? the attached two-car garage. You know what the attached two-car garage is? It's like the bat cave. You kind of hit the button as you're getting close, the doors open, drive in, hit the button, the door closes, and nobody sees you. You don't have to nod, you don't have to wave, you don't have to sit, you can come and go in total privacy. That makes sense to me. The garage, the attached garage changed society. It used to be we parked on the street. 
And then everyone saw how many groceries you carried into the house, where you had been, all you were, and you had to wave at everybody. Yeah. It changed. And today, where the church, where in the days past where church used to be the hub of society, do you know how many times the average, the average American attends church today and is considered themselves a regular attender? It's now 1.4 Sundays a month. Now listen, you're better than that. We're better than that. You need more than that. Forsake not the assembling together. Here's my last point to you this morning that I think and I hope will be helpful. We all need a true friend. We all need a true friend. We will all have nodders. We'll have waivers. We'll have sitters. We'll have thrivers. And we all need a Savior. Many companions may lead to ruin, but there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And Jesus, and Jesus alone, will fulfill the relationship of Savior. Your good works won't. Your kind deeds won't. Your great personality won't get it accomplished. Your regular attendance at a church or even a connect group will always fail short, fall short. Christ and Christ only is sufficient. Do you agree with that this morning? Christ and Christ only saves. If you and I could do this on our own, if we could produce this on our own, then the death of our Savior would have become unnecessary. But we can't. So He did. And He did for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And I want to tell you this morning that when you have Jesus Christ as your friend, He's the one that will never leave you or forsake you. Do you hear me this morning, church? He will never leave you or forsake you. He sticks closer than a brother. Now here's the truth. You'll get hurt in this world. We're all fallen. We're all broken. And we'll all make mistakes with one another. That's why we need grace, isn't it? But here's what I can assure you today. Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior will always be sufficient. He will always be supreme. He will always be Savior. And He will never wound you. He will draw near to you. And He will bind up the wounds of the brokenhearted. You know what I love about that verse out of Psalms? Bind up the wounds of the brokenhearted. You can't bind somebody's wounds from a distance. You have to come close to be able to do that. Jesus is your Savior, is the one who lays down his life for his friends. He's the one that came to be the ransom for you and I. So, if you're taking notes, turn your handout over on the back of the handout where there's some blank space. I want you to write two words in response to this message today. Ready? 
So what? So what? Now, so what will have two connotations to it. Some of us will hear a message about belonging and connecting and doing life together and following the plan and the purpose that God has for us. And the reality is that some of us will simply go, so what? That doesn't work for me right now in this stage. So what? And some of us will ask the question, so what? So what difference does relationships on different levels and friendships holding life together and the church being the place where I can belong and become like Christ and that we have Christ as our friend that sticks closer than a brother. The question is, is so what? Well, so what first? Trust Christ only. That's so what? Turn from sin and self and trust Christ only. Can I beg you this morning to stop doing this on your own and to let the Savior of the world come along beside you? Let him walk the road of Emmaus with you. And then he's going to break bread and you're going to go, oh, I see the Savior. You need Jesus today. You need to know him as Lord and Savior today. Number two, so what? You got to trust God's plan. You just got to trust it. And my last thing to you today move from being a spectator to a participant. It's fun to be in the stands, isn't it? But there's nothing like being in the game. I'm looking at almost 200 people in this room today. Next level. That's all we're asking. Next level. Some of you go, what happens if I sign up for a connect group and I don't like it? <laughs> well, find one that you do. I know I'm over, Michael, we're going to have to rearrange a few things here, but I parked behind you. You can't leave, okay? So just stick with me for a minute. You go over here to the fellowship hall in a few moments, and I need everyone to walk through there. You know what I noticed? There are, there are people and groups out there that's going to try to bribe you. Somebody brought tomatoes, Brian Mills. Someone is going to try to bribe you with tomatoes. Pitiful little tomato. Debbie brought nuts. Matches her personality. I saw various candy and things out there, and I'll tell you what I said. I looked at Karen and went, oh no, we are not getting outdone. So we went and got the candy that Jesus loves. Do I get a witness? That's right. I told someone today, I've asked, and we can have these at the marriage supper of the Lamb. <laughs> I don't know that we can, but listen. It's not about a 
tomato and a candy bar, is it? We want you to learn how to do life with somebody. You go, well, that's just not me. Let's do it, church, right here. Put your hands up and pray. Father, we want what you want more than what we want. We need you to give direction and plan and purpose to our life. So may you find us in this posture today, willing to say yes, even when it's difficult and scary and makes us nervous, we say yes. Because your ways are higher than our ways. And your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And Father, may we be a church that trusts you and grows in you and belongs together with you. In Jesus' name, amen.